Welcome to uh, the Washington Research Council's In Focus podcast. We are recording this on December 2nd, 2016. My name is Mary Strau. I'm joined today by my colleagues Chris Showbloom and Emily Makings. Um, we're going to be talking about a hodgepodge of things today. We haven't done an In Focus in a while, and so we thought it was time to catch all of you up on the latest goings on. We're going to start with Chris, who has a variety of new numbers. Uh, new state budget revenue forecasts, uh, numbers on employment, uh, and a few other things. So, Chris, why don't you start us off? Very good. Um, so, it's been a busy time in, the, uh, um, uh, in uh, news on the economy. Um, you know, just this morning, we got a national employment report. Oh, wow. Um, which showed uh, for the month... Uh, Payroll employment up by 178,000, um, not a bad number, uh, mm-hmm. and that the unemployment rate was national unemployment rate is down to 4.6 percent. Wow, um, which is a number we used to think was well below what is full employment. Uh, but we keep our fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, about a week ago, the state ha- issued an employment report. With the lags, this is really an employment for for our, in October, unlike the November national numbers we just got today, mm-hmm. um, showing that the state had gained ten thousand six hundred jobs in uh, from September to October, which is a, a nice nice jump. Yeah. Uh, what's more incredible is the number they're now showing for September, which is uh, twenty three thousand nine hundred. Wow. Um, unbelievably large number, and, and I, I was. Caution that these initial uh, estimates we get of employment are just estimates. They come from a survey with a relatively lar- a small number of, uh, of, um, of firms that are surveyed, mm-hmm. so they are subject to revision. And with the show, looking at right now where we're at um, more than 34,000 jobs uh, um, uh, gained over two months, this is probably one of the one of the cases where we're going to expect a little downward revision, but okay. it's still very good numbers, and we should need to be should be very accurate. Do we, Chris? Do we have any? Uh, do they break that down at all by region of the state or? Yes, they do. Um, though the initial reports out don't provide the, oh, the full amount of regional detail. Um, gotcha. I was just thinking, you know, we're always, that's always a consideration anyway, but especially in light of our, you know, recent election, um, I'm thinking about the the areas outside of the Puget Sound region and how they're faring uh, vis-a-vis, you know, whether you're talking about Southwest Washington, Eastern Washington, um, the Olympic Peninsula, so on. Yeah, yeah and, and with that, it's, some of the, the places that are really hurting are, are quite, you know, localized, and, mm-hmm. and we need to look get down really on the uh, on the county level to see right. that uh, coming out of the recession, uh, the initial uh, uh, year or two, the we got more rapid growth in the Seattle metro area than the rest of the state. Then there's been a bit of catch up. Oh, that's um, good. But you know what's hap- you know sitting as I uh, I do in Seattle. Uh, and seeing all of the kids that are walking around on the street now, mm-hmm. uh, you know these new Amazon employees. Oh, and stuff. yeah! Uh, it, what's well, it, it is just amazing. It and, really is. Uh, um, but the statistics on the number of unfilled jobs they have is just 
incredible. If we fill all of those, it's uh, anyway. I yeah. uh, wish I was that young. Uh, <laughs> Don't so we all? Let me turn. Let me turn to the um, to the the, um, the revenue forecast. Okay. Um, last re- um, um, uh, so now it's a, about two weeks ago, I guess. We had a revenue forecast that came out. <clears throat> it added. Uh, 222.4 million to the forecast uh, for the current biennium, um, uh, and that's a, for a combination of the three accounts that we like to lump together: the general fund, state account, the educational mm-hmm. legacy trust account, and the Washington Opportunity Pathways account. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a that's a nice chunk of change. Absolutely, uh, and that's for, for the current for, biennium. That's for the current biennium, right? And then on top of that, they added uh, 132.2 million to the forecast for those accounts uh, combined for the upcoming uh, biennium, uh, the uh, 2017-19 biennium, uh, which starts next uh, July 1st. Uh, and and of course the uh, the the primary task. Uh, one of the two primary tasks of the legislature that will come into session in January is to write a budget for the biennium. Right. Of course, the other primary tax task is McCleary. Yes, uh, yes. We may be talking about a bit later. Right. Um, anyway, and uh, and just for, those... for our listeners who don't realize, in the in odd numbers in odd numbered years, so in. 2017, January 2017, that's when the legislature writes the big two-year budget. In the even number of years, they do the supplemental budget, but this coming session is going to be the big one where they write a brand new two-year budget. Uh, so between those, the, the amounts added for this, this biennium and the upcoming biennium, we've got legislators are now looking at um, an additional $354.6 million to um, play with. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. You know, a few more like that. Better than um, a kick in the shins, as they say. That's right. But, of course, what they're looking at from the Clary is so much larger. Significantly uh, more. But this helps. Mm-hmm. This will help. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's about it, what, what, what I had to, um, to add. Okay, great. And we will have a larger uh, budget discussion later. But let's switch now to Emily. Emily, you've been keeping an eye on... The whole McCleary situation, and for our listeners who um, aren't aware, McCleary refers to the Supreme Court case that said the state was not um, adequately funding basic education and uh, and that the state has to fully fund anything related to basic education and that the local school districts are not allowed to provide funding for basic education. That's all going to be on the state. And so the state has been in the process since 2012 of gearing up for the, what is it, the 2017, de- is it a 2017 deadline or 2018 deadline? I can't remember now. 2018 deadline to fully fund basic education. So Emily, take it away with some of the latest happenings. So the last year, the legislature passed um, the I can't remember. I think it was the Senate Bill 6195, mm-hmm. which required a um, legislature to hire a consultant to go out and analyze school compensation data to find mm-hmm. out um, how much more schools are paying teachers over and above what the state uh, salary allocation is. Mm-hmm. So um, recently, the consultant provided its final report 
they identified $1.45 billion that local districts um, paid for teacher salaries in one school year above the state salary allocation. Mm -hmm. So this is going to inform um, how much the legislature is going to need to set aside to complete its um, what it has to pay under McCleary. But that's not the final number. Right. Uh, it could go higher or lower. Um, in some ways, the ways in which it's kind of, it, it may be low are that it does not include any benefits. It also doesn't include um, salaries for uh, pupil transportation or special ed. Um, but it could also be too high in that some of that may not be related to basic education. Okay. So some of it could legitimately be um, being paid for by the local local districts. Oh, I see. And, and just for clarification for our listeners, so we're talking about, um, and part of McCleary is that the state does have to pay teacher salaries as it relates to basic education. Now, right. as you were saying, if it were related to some kind of extracurricular activity that was not basic education, it's okay for local districts to pay for that, just not for anything related to basic education. Right. And it's it's really up to the legislature to decide which components of that are basic ed and which are not. Mm -hmm. So it's still very much up in the air how much how much we're looking at. Interesting. And so, yeah, that's interesting. It didn't include, um, I mean, not that they could have done it in so short a time, but they still have to worry about the cost of benefits. So health benefits, retirement, all of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and of course, one of the things that the legislature and governor will have to determine is, and this is something we've talked about before, is um, how they provide health insurance for teachers now that the state is going to be covering the cost of that, whether they continue to do the go along with the way it's been now, which is bargaining at the local level, or whether they just set teachers up with sort of a statewide um health insurance plans similar not the same as but similar to what state employees would get so that's another and you know depending i i would imagine depending on which option they choose the cost could vary quite widely yeah um what was that it's hard to say at this point. Absolutely, yeah. Well, and that's what session, that's why people are kind of morbidly joking that the session's going to last uh, the whole year or nine months or something. Um, I'll add one more thing before we go into the, uh, open it up for the, the general discussion. Uh, it happened right, I believe, right before election day, so uh, kind of got lost in the news. Um, but a group called Washington's Paramount Duty, which is, you know, to be frank, it's a left of center group. It's a group of, I guess, parents um, who basically, they won't come out and say it, but they, 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 they will come out and say, we need new revenue. They won't say what type of new revenue, but I have a feeling they would not be averse to something along the lines of a, I don't know, an income tax or a capital gains tax or uh, removing certain business tax incentives. Um, but they have uh, uh, submitted a filing to the Supreme Court asking for clarification on what's known as the levy cliff. So uh, a few years ago, the legislature granted an extension to certain school districts 
to um, increase the amount of um, their property tax levies, I may not be saying this correctly, um, while, while the state was trying to figure out this whole McCleary thing um, so that they could, you know, the, the local districts could raise more money to help pay for their teachers and their schools and all that. Um, that extension is set to expire soon. And so uh, the, the Paramount Duty was just asking for some clarification on that. Um, and I don't, uh, who knows at what point the uh, Supreme Court will, will respond to that, but that's just one more little, um, uh, little wrinkle in, in McCleary. And we, we did a blog post on that too. And I'll, I'll put that in the, in the, um, I'll put a link to that in the podcast description as well. So I guess now we can open it up to general discussion about, you know, in terms, in light of the new revenue numbers and in light of this consultant report, um, how are things, and in light of some of the options that are being considered for funding, um, how are things looking for how the McCleary funding package is, is going to shape up? Because this is the year they have to do it, basically. Unless they put it off. Who knows? <laughs> Chris, what, what, how about you? You've been, you've appeared on at least, what, what one or two panel discussions on... Um, on McCleary as it relates to the budget? You know, actually, I think Lou is the fellow, uh, person out of our um, out of our office who's been most of the time uh, um, out talking about this. Mm -hmm. So um, I got to sort of pass. You got to pass. Okay. Well, and yeah. let's just say, so one of the options being considered um, is what they call, whatever they're calling it, a levy swap or a levy yeah. exchange. Yeah. Um, and, and this is not something that would fully pay for, I don't think anyone is saying this would fully pay for um, the remaining McCleary, costs of complying with McCleary. But it involves, Chris, can you, can you explain? <clears throat> oh, what, what, what the, basic idea of a levy swap is that um, um, you would uh, um, increase the state property tax, um, which is uh, quite a ways away from its um, its constitutional limit right now. The rate is, mm -hmm. is considerably below its constitutional limit. Um, and um, um, use the, and take the funds you got from that and give it to school to give them to school districts uh, and at the same time you would uh, require the school districts to you know, reduce the amount of, uh, of uh, money they're bringing in through their own property taxes mm -hmm. uh, to offset this increase that they're getting from that uh, so in aggregate um, if the amount of reduction is equal to the amount of new funds coming out, overall property taxes wouldn't change. Uh, it's just uh, who was levying them. Uh, that's in the aggregate. Uh, but because the uh, uh, state's uh, property tax is uniform across all uh, taxpayers uh, and there's considerable variation in local um, um, levy rates across uh, jurisdictions uh, that there would uh, some individual property owners would uh, see taxes going up and others would be going down while the right uh, overall swipe, um, uh, swap would have been uh, revenue neutral 
<clears throat> I think I think the feeling is that they can't solve the whole problem through that because the, right. uh, the size of the losses to the losers would just be too big. Right. Uh-huh. And the gen- the general um, takeaway is that you would find people in more uh, rural areas or areas where, where property values weren't as high would in general see their taxes, property taxes go down, whereas people in areas where property values are quite high, for example, Seattle, Bellevue, you know, central Puget Sound, um, would see their property taxes go up. Is that, is that a fair assessment? That's, um, that's in part, yes. The other thing that's, that's, that's important here is, is not just the, the, the value of the of the houses that are being taxed, um, but also the amount of uh, business property that's located in a district. Some mm. some uh, some uh, um, homeowners have um, low school taxes because there's a whole bunch of business property in that school district mm. to be taxed. Okay, uh, not just because they're they have um, high valued houses. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that's, you know, Seattle, you've got both. You've got high-valued houses and you've got an awful lot of business property. Um, so they're set up to, to really um, see an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, they, they basically right now have got our, 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 uh, the, the local taxpayers are getting sort of um, uh, uh, having an easy time of paying for schools because uh, much of the, of the property taxes that are going to the Seattle School District are coming off of businesses rather than off, off of the homeowners. Oh, interesting. Okay. And Emily, what are, what are your thoughts, especially in light of, say, the new numbers? And then this, I know this consultant report wasn't, isn't terribly definitive because it, um, it still leaves a lot of the decision-making up to the lawmakers. Um, but what, what are your thoughts? Well, the I mean, the outlook for the budget isn't pretty. Mm-hmm. No matter how you feel, even with the increased revenue forecast, mm-hmm. um, the the official outlook that was adopted includes kind of a placeholder for this McCleary compensation costs mm-hmm. of one point seven five billion a year, which may very well be too high. Interesting. Still, I mean, still, it's um, showing an unrestricted ending fund balance in the next biennium of $1.5 billion and then an, a negative Indian fund balance of $7.4 billion in the following biennium. Oh, wow. So, I mean, that's including this um, this placeholder McCleary number, which may not be correct, but mm-hmm. it's still pretty, pretty ugly numbers. Mm-hmm. And that includes um, costs um, associated with um, an increased or a decrease federal matching amount for the um, the new Medicaid enrollees. Okay. It includes, the, um, it includes other McCleary maintenance level um, spending that's already planned for. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't include the amounts for any, uh, for the uh, uh, collective bargaining agreements with state employees. Right. So, um, that's that's going to be an issue whether or not they're declared financially feasible by the governor. I think. Um, wow. It sounds like it would be, I think, one point seven billion dollars over four years if they're if they're approved. So that would that's add. For, that's for state employees. Right. Okay. Gotcha. But that would yeah. So it's not 
it's not related to the McCleary issue, but it would add a, a more spending pressure. Yeah, to the absolutely. Budget. Yeah, I mean, it's not just McCleary that's part of the budget. There are a lot of other things. Um, so you, so just to reiterate, so you said they're in the not this biennium, the next biennium. There's a what is it a seven point what billion deficit? Seven point four billion. Whoa, um, and that's. But that's assuming this additional $3.5 billion from a clearing compensation cost. Okay. But, yeah. That's not insignificant. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, and I mean, who can guess how this is all going to shake out, what they're going to agree on? I mean, I, we've talked a, a, a lot. Remember that $7.4 billion includes... Yeah. Oh, the 7.4 number includes um, costs to implement... Uh, initiative 1351 which was the initiative from a few years ago that would lower class sizes oh. in every grade oh. so whether or not that actually goes into effect is oh i for, see who knows if that actually happens but yeah i mean that seems highly unlikely i think there's there seems to be general agreement that it's just they're just going to do the k3 yeah um so i wonder how much of that they could subtract if all um, it's, if they don't do thirteen, I mean thirteen fifty one would cost um, one point nine billion dollars. Okay. In the following biennium. Yeah, so you could probably take that out. I mean, they'll still be, of course, doing the K three, just not the four through twelve. Right. Um, but that then that still leaves you with a, a lot of money left. Yeah. To find revenues. Wow, I don't envy them. Um, no. Well, that's where it is now. And of course, the session starts in a little over a month. Um, and they're going to have a lot of And of course, we're, uh, we are missing, um, sadly, uh, the Senate Ways and Means Chairman Andy Hill, who, who died of uh, cancer just a few weeks ago. Um, it looks as though, I don't know if it's a done deal, but it looks as though Dino Rossi actually might be stepping in to fill his shoes just for the year he would f fill out the rest of the the appointment uh, or the rest of the term um but certainly the loss of andy hill um is significant in that he played a big role in in um obviously in budget negotiations throughout this mccleary process and on a, on a lot of other things too um so that that's a factor um well, I mean, we could sit around and speculate about McCleary all day, but we'll just have we'll just have to keep everyone posted. And um, you know, I think what we can expect, at least for the start of session, is that people from the left of center are going to be pushing for um, either more ta higher taxes, new taxes, or doing away with certain incentives, and then people right of center. Um, are going to be pushing back against that. Although, you know, it, it appears that there is, there's going to have to be some new revenues. Um, just looking at it realistically. Now where those come from, who knows and how they, how they get to that, who knows. Um, but we'll just have to see. Um, so let's move on really quickly to another topic. And that is the issue of, um, 
sort of labor labor rules and labor law. And Emily, you've written about um, a couple of different things. First of all, uh, there's a recent court case where the Obama's Obama administration's uh, overtime rules were what struck. Was it a rule? It was struck down. Um, why don't we start with that first, and then we can talk about uh, the happenings in, in Seattle, the Seattle City Council. So the Obama administration for the last few years has been working on this overtime rule where they would essentially double the salary thresholds for um, employees who are subject to overtime pay. Mm -hmm. So right now it's something like if you make, um, I think it's 20000 or something a year, then you have to be paid overtime depending on what your job is and the overtime rule would have increased that to about forty thousand, which would have brought in a lot more people yeah so a lot of so a lot of businesses would have had to either um, pay these employees the overtime or make them work less um, to stay under the 40 hours a week um so there would have been a lot of changes but um just um last week or a few weeks ago um, a, a federal judge stopped the the rule. It, um, he issued a pre preliminary injunction, injunction mm -hmm. um, in a case that several um, governors had brought. So as it stands right now, it's it has not gone into effect. It was due to go into effect yesterday. Interesting. And this kind of opens up um, more options for President-elect Trump's administration. Um, mm -hmm. It may be able to be stopped. We don't know. Maybe President-elect Trump doesn't want to stop it. Um, it's kind of up in the air at this point. But right. for right now, it's, it's um, stopped. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, li listening to it strikes me as a. It's basically a tax increase. I mean, it's not a tax, but but it w it's a huge um, imposition of costs upon businesses. No matter was there any size? Like, did did the did the Obama administration? rule make any allowance for size like if it was a small business or you know i'm not actually sure about that okay i don't i don't think so i think okay. it was just a straight up salary change yeah so base yeah it's, i mean it's for all intents and purposes a huge tax increase on employers well i mean some would say that they wouldn't have to pay any more if they just don't i mean the workers just don't have to work over 40 weeks okay. 40 hours right so it's I mean, it would be definitely an administrative burden. Um, yeah. And, you know, a lot of employees m might be sad that this isn't going to affect, but a lot might be glad because they don't have to punch a clock now, whereas right. they might. I mean, there are a lot of trade-offs involved. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of, it's uh, similar. It's not the same, obviously, but it strikes me as similar to the whole minimum wage debate that um, obviously, you know, people who are making minimum wage, we don't, uh, we would love to have an economy where there weren't people trying to have, you know, with families who were trying to make that a family wage um, job. But on the other hand, when you put all these burdens on employers, um, you know, it's the great debate. That's Is that really the way you want to go to try to improve people's lives? Or do you want to um, create an environment where people can find better jobs for better pay, um, where they don't necessarily have to, to worry about as much about, um, you know, making ends meet. 
Yeah, and and the overtime rule really gets kind of more at kind of the the nature of your work. Mm-hmm. Um, Virginia Prestrell had a really good um, uh, item in the Bloomberg the other day about how this would this would get to like nonprofits mm-hmm. and people in the arts maybe who who really believe in the mission of their work and so they're willing to work you know over and above forty hours a week for um, maybe less pay because they really believe in what they're doing right but they wouldn't this would really affect them and they wouldn't be able to do that anymore yeah. So, yeah. So it's uh, an interesting question, and for yeah. now, it's it's on hold. I can't imagine the Trump administration. I mean, certainly the Trump administration is uh, going to be more populist and whatnot. Um, so I, I shouldn't I shouldn't presume, but it, 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 we'll just have to wait and see what uh, what happens there. Yeah. Um, and then, really quick, with the city of Seattle, um, they've got this new new-ish Office of Labor Standards, which is going to be enforcing all manner of things, the minimum wage, the paid sick leave, this new uh, so-called predictive scheduling uh, law they've passed. And it's in existence, it's being funded, but Emily, there was, there's been a question about how to fund it um, on the city council. Can you talk about that? Yeah, it's been being funded through the city's general fund, but um, some members of the city council wanted to fund it via what seems basically to be like a return of the head tax in mm. Seattle. So it would be a fee, or they call it a fee. There's some question whether or not it's a fee or a tax, but mm-hmm. um, whatever it is, um, it would be a, a fee per employee. Um, and right. so this was part of the... Um, the 2017-18 budget, it was proposed to mm-hmm. create a dedicated fund. Um, it did not pass, and so the the office will continue to be funded, at, and it is actually funded at a higher rate, but through the general fund. Um, but it's not dead by any means. I guess one city council member said that he um, would change his his vote and vote for it. Um, just He just wanted more time to kind of work through the issue with with businesses so great come back next year it's extraordinary it's like they've they've created this new office which is basically exists and i'm just editorializing here to make uh, to make employers lives more difficult um to to enforce these rather draconian new laws (laughs) and then in addition to that just to add insult to injury, they want to tax employers to make them pay for, you know, the instrument of their torture, so to speak. Um, again, that's me editorializing. Um, but, you know, as uh, someone, I think it was one of the writers for the, for the Seattle Times said, well, you know, Seattle is certainly, we've certainly got an interesting laboratory here with what Seattle's doing with all of these new um, incredibly um, uh, restrictive rules and impositions they're putting on on employers, uh, and it will be fascinating. Probably not fascinating to be an employer in Seattle. Certainly not a small business to see how it all plays out. Yeah, and they all they add up. It's not. Just, I mean, one it might seem like there's nothing to increasing the minimum wage a little bit more, mm-hmm. but when you add that to all of the other um, labor regulations that are being enacted, it, it, it adds up. 
It really does. Um, yeah, well, we'll have to, well, we'll have, we could have a whole podcast on the, um, what, what happens at, in, within the four walls of uh, Seattle City Hall, but we'll, we can do that another time. Um, I think for now, we'll, we'll call it a wrap. And uh, thank you, Emily and Chris. Pleasure. And uh, thank you, listeners. And uh, we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.